Entrepreneur on Fire 725. Mix a little inspiration with perspiration and a dash of Entrepreneur on Fire. Now you have the ingredients to success. Here's the master chef, John Lee Dumas. Having experience these days is priceless. More than 300,000 design projects have passed through the doors at 99designs. Now that's expertise. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. Hiring? With ZipRecruiter, you can post to 50 plus job sites, including social networks like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, all with a single click. Post a free job at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Entrepreneurs near and far, John Lee Dumas here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Bill Seaver. Bill, are you prepared to ignite Oh yeah, let's do this. Yes. Bill is the co-founder of Epic Frequency, a modern art company based in Nashville, Tennessee, that produces stunning images from iconic music recordings and timeless speeches. Bill, I've given Fire Nation just a little insight, so take a minute and tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us a little more insight about your biz. Thank you, John. Yeah, I, I'm in Nashville, and a friend of mine, Nathan Moore, and I started Epic Frequency six years ago. Uh, but we actually we piddled around with it for really far too long, and uh, only launched it two years ago. And we do modern art based on the waveform of iconic recordings. We we did a beta test a couple years ago, primarily with speeches, and then we've just recently moved into iconic music. So we've got Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, Johnny Cash. We've got some iconic names in there. So that's what our, our company does. I love it. And it was pretty cool. We were talking a little bit about, about this pre-chat, but I have an epic frequency original in my living room. You walk in and you see this great entrepreneur on fire, like steel and case sign that my friend Pete Sven of DIY Pete sent over to us about six months ago. And right on top of that, colored perfectly is episode number one, the first interview ever of Entrepreneur on Fire, courtesy of Epic Frequency. And what was really cool is that I had Pat Flynn over. We were doing an in-person mastermind the other week, and he's like, dude, that's cool. What is that? I'm like, that's my first episode ever. And actually, Pat, that's you and me. And he's like, what? That is so cool. And it was really cool to see that that was our actual audio conversation. It means a lot to us because we're both big time podcasters. So like right now I'm staring at, you know, the wave frequencies as I'm talking and, you know, I basically eat, live and breathe them. So I love what you do. I love the artwork. And Bill, we're going to dive into your journey and how you got to where you are today. But before we do all of that, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire off with a success quote. So Take it away. Sure. I actually don't know the source of this. I, I've heard it secondhand. Uh, it came from a documentary actually about the music industry, but I, I love it. And I think it applies to really any business. And, it, and this is what it says. If you don't want their rewards, you don't have to play by their rules. Now, really kind of break that down because I'm a big believer in actually reading Fountainhead right now, Bill, which is like the definition of this quote by Ayn Rand, just an amazing book. But what does this mean to you? Like, how do you apply this to your life? And what does this mean to an entrepreneur? Well, I think every entrepreneur has to decide how they're going to conduct their business. And they have to decide who are they really doing that for? Is it for 
the accolades that maybe their industry has or they hope to build some particular platform for themselves? Or is this really something they're just they're motivated by a, a deeper passion, perhaps? And to me, that quote really just kind of cuts through all the garbage of all the things that can distract us and really just says, you know what, if, if you really know what your drive is and what your motivation is, you may decide and you probably will that you actually don't need all the rewards, a lot of the stuff that you maybe were initially drawn to even. And once you realize you don't have to do that, then you'll decide you don't even have to play the same game that you thought you might have had to play. You don't need to play by their rules. Have you ever decided to play a different game? I have been playing a different game, I think, since I was a kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's kind of maybe break down one example, maybe a recent one. doesn't have to be, but I'd love to see where you, Bill Seaver, was like, you know what? I don't need their accolades. I don't need their rewards. So uh, I'm going to play by my rules. Three years ago, I had the chance to talk to a company actually based here in Nashville. That's a 40-year-old company in the radiology supply business. And they came to me and they're like, Bill, we want to talk about social media marketing and radiology supplies. And I was like, that is not something I know anything about. That doesn't sound very interesting at all. And then as I got into sort of just talking to them, looking at what they did, I discovered that they had this interesting little kind of offshoot group of the company that was selling adjustable height desks. And I don't know if you have seen, but over the last couple of years, stand-up desks, you know, the ability to stand up while you work instead of just sitting all the time because that's not as good for you. Uh, was really starting to take off. I'm standing so, on one right now. It's called Next Desk. Very nice. Yeah. So Next Desk, I'll have to admit, is actually a competitor to the desk company I helped them launch. And so this 40-year-old uh, radiology supply company actually launched an entirely new brand, a completely different uh, brand to their company that was, had nothing to do with radiology, and it's called UpDesk. And UpDesk came out of this this older uh, medical company, and they said, we're going to do something new. And what's really neat is it's, it's just over two years old now. It's one of the top in the industry. And um, I got to just sort of say, I'm not going to play by the rules of sort of the way you necessarily go about pitching business and say, okay, I hear they want me to help them do this. I'm going to now offer services for radiology. I said, I want to change the rules in this particular case with them because this is what they need. This is what I see the opportunity is for them. So I pitched them on the stand-up desk idea. They said, you know what? It's interesting. We've talked about this. We've never thought about taking it to the consumer market. I said, let's do this. And ultimately, UpDesk was born from that. And uh, it's been a great success story and is, is making money for the company now and is really setting up the future for the company. Fire Nation, if you don't want their rewards, if you don't need their rewards, you just don't have to play by their rules. And Bill, what we're really going to do here within the rest of this interview is focus on your journey as an entrepreneur. You've already shared that little aha moment that you've had, and now we're going to talk about a failure. We're going to talk about a time that you just fell flat in your face. And you know what? It's okay, because it happens to every entrepreneur many times throughout our journey. And I really want you, Bill, to tell us one story, to take us to that moment in time, to be specific, not aerial. And Bill... Share with us the lessons that you learned. I have several to pull from, <laughs> but <laughs> I think the one that stands out to me is actually PodCamp 2007. Ooh. In fact, Dave, Dave Delaney, who you've had on the show, yeah. Dave was a co-founder of PodCamp here in Nashville. And um, I've been a part of PodCamp and BarCamp, both here in Nashville for several years. And I believe it was the first PodCamp in Nashville in 2007, uh, maybe the second, I don't quite remember, but I actually got to speak. I was on the stage that day and I had all this energy I had put into my presentation and it looked beautiful. 
And I got up there and was ready to go. I was fired up. And then my laptop wouldn't connect and the presentation mode wouldn't work. And it took 10 minutes, literally 10 minutes of the whole audience watching me and some other people trying to help me fumble around. And so I was, I was rattled, but I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's go. Let's, let's just pull together here, Bill. Come on, you can do it. And uh, I got into it and I realized like I ended up having to do the presentation in the, in the edit mode, you know, where you actually work on the slides. Like I never <laughs> right. could get it to work. And then as I got into it, I realized I had never, stupidly, I had never really thought through where, what I was trying to say, what I was actually trying to communicate. I put so much attention on the slides looking great and everything just pre- presenting well visually that I, I completely lost a story. I completely lost the, the most important thing, which was all the things I actually wanted to say that actually had value. And so I took that, I, you know, it was one of those days where, I, I finally got down and, you know, my friends who were there, they kind of were like, hey, good job. And I could tell that look in their eyes when, you know, they're just trying to be nice to you. <laughs> they're really, they really know that it, it's, it, it sucked as bad as you thought it did. Yes. Right. And so, and so I, I just walked away. And I was like, all right, you know what? I, I had just gone out on my own as a, as a, a marketing consultant. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to speak, if I'm going to teach people, if I'm going to train people, if I'm going to consult, I've got, I've got to do this much better. Today cannot happen again. And so I actually spent the next year, every time I went and did a presentation or a conference or spoke to a, a corporate group, I actually did not even take my laptop with me. I would present with, I, just, I had my notes, I knew what I wanted to say, and I had a flipboard and a marker. That's all I did because I said, if, if I can't tell the story, if I can't capture their attention with what I need to say and the ideas that I need to communicate, if that can't teach them what they need to know, then no amount of, of pretty pictures or anything like that is going to be helpful. I mean, I love this story, Bill, and it kind of makes me think that we're brothers from another mother in certain dimensions because we all, Fire Nation, have these presentation fails. And I had a very similar one for my first ever presentation, which, act, which was actually New Media Expo back in 2013, so not too long ago. And it was the edit mode wouldn't work, the present mode, the audio was off. I mean, it was a disaster. And my presentation was so hinged on the actual PowerPoint itself that everything just fell apart. And I actually made a decision from that point forward that I was never going to rely on slides again. Because I saw it happening to so many people throughout these presentations, and I'm like, epic fail. And from that day forward, Bill, I have just gotten up on stage and presented. And I've had no slides. I've had nothing around me, just pure content. And that's just how I decided to go forward so that I can just know that, hey, I'm in control of what I can control. I'm not going to rely on any external forces. And this is what I'm going to focus on. And I love how you keep bringing up the story. And you know how on Entrepreneur on Fire, I always love talking about the story. And that's really powerful. So Fire Nation, when you can control the situation in your own world, you should really look to do that and not play by other rules. Don't play by the PowerPoint rules or whatever Mac Air connection you might need and bring things into your own power. And I just got to ask Bill, because 2007, I mean, wow, PodCamp, what was it like back then? What was podcasting in general? What was the vibe? What was the aura? What was going down? Well, you know, it was very new. In fact, Epic Frequency, I didn't say this from the outset, but Epic Frequency was actually born out of the uh, social media podcast oh. that my bu- that my bu- my buddy Nathan and I actually did, and we were sitting around one night after we'd record the podcast, and like you said, you, you just you kind of look and at these waveforms all the time, and and Nathan actually had the idea. He said, 
you know, this, I've always thought these are kind of interesting. Do you think, you know, you could ever do any kind of art with it? And he's, he's a designer. He's a graphic designer, uh, website developer. And so, so Nathan and I started talking. We're like, well, what could we do something with that? And so we toyed around with that idea for about three years. And then finally, two years ago, we said, let's, let's go with this. And that's how Epic Frequency was born. And, and so PodCamp was, in fact, we actually did, Nathan and I actually did an interview live from PodCamp that year, 2007. That was after my really terrible presentation, by the way. And so, <laughs> but we did it and it was very new. There was a lot of energy. Uh, there, there was just, there were a lot of people, a lot of, even businesses, pe- business people and more traditional companies were coming trying to figure things out. Um, and what was interesting was, I think pod, podcasting seemed to, a couple years later, sort of dip down a little bit, sort of went away sure. some of the excitement. It, but it seems like just in the last 12 months uh, to 18 months, it's really begun to surge again. Um, and so I think it's really interesting. I think we're in a second wave of podcasting right now. No, that's fascinating. And, you know, I wasn't around during the first wave. I was doing my thing. I was in the military. I was in corporate finance. Podcasting wasn't even on my radar back in 2007. And it didn't actually come on my radar till late 2009, early 2010. And I always point to the resurgence bill as being the smartphone. Once more than 50% of the population, which happened towards the end of 2010, started having a smartphone in their hand, meaning they could stream with no barriers, podcasts from their pocket, from their hand, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I see that as the beginning point of the resurgence, which, like you said, over the last 18 months has turned into a tidal wave, so much so that podcast movement that just happened in Dallas, Texas last month was such an amazing hit. We had 650 people. You know, we threw a podcasters paradise meetup at podcast movement where over 150 paradisers showed up for this incredible get together that Kate and I set up where we were passing out shirts and having drinks and food and music. And it was just a blast to see that podcasting vibe. And everybody there, Bill, was so excited about podcasting and so into it. What was it like at PodCamp back in 2007? Was it that same kind of thought that, hey, this is the next big thing? Yeah, very much. There was a sense that something big was going on, and everybody there was was an early adopter. Uh, there were a few people who were, were still just dipping their toe in, but think about this. If you were dipping your toe in in 2007, yeah. you were an early adopter, right? Huge. And so... So that was it was it, that was exciting. It was a small, you know, it was maybe two hundred people tops. Uh, but Nashville has had a really strong uh, technology core for quite a while, and we've seen that continue to grow. And even back then, it was it was quite vibrant, and it's just it's grown exponentially since since even two thousand seven. Were you able to go to podcast movement? I was not. No, I actually we Nathan and I actually stopped podcasting a couple years ago and started focusing on some other things. Actually, once Epic Frequency came along, we said, let's put our energy into this building this company and we'll figure out if we want to do podcasting again down the road. Well, I'll tell you, I think uh, an Epic Frequency little stage area for podcast movement 2015 in Fort Worth, Texas could be uh, pretty darn awesome. So (laughs) maybe put that in the calendar. I like that idea. You know, we do custom prints. And so just like you have a custom print there, that's absolutely something we, sh- we should do. Love it. So yeah, I could talk about the cycles of podcasting all day long. And that's what's really interesting is, you know, a lot of people right now are saying podcasting is the next big thing. It's going to be amazing. Like, John, like, look what you've been able to do. You got on early with podcasting. And I was like, well, I didn't get on early with podcasting. Like, I didn't start until September of 2012. I mean, that's five years after this podcast happens. I just happened to get on during the beginning of the next wave of podcasting, which 
again, when we're talking in 2017, I think, you know, podcasting could be a total thing of the past and people would be like, pod what? Like it's the cycles of life. And, you know, Bill, you've moved on, you started Epic Frequency, you know, who knows what the future of any of our listeners, myself included, will be doing in five years from now. But it's just really interesting to see the different cycles of entrepreneurship. And that's kind of what leads us into the next topic I want to focus on, Bill, which is your proudest entrepreneurial moments. Because we all deal with these highs and these lows and these successes and failures and accolades and awards. And you have a lot of things to be proud of. But Bill, tell us the story of your proudest entrepreneurial moments. Take us to that actual moment, Bill, and share it with us. I'll give you my runner-up because it's very brief, but I'm a huge Seth Godin fan. And several years ago, I pitched Seth Godin on, twice on two different blog posts, and he blogged about it both times. Wow. And uh, that was one of those things early on that I just thought was so huge. Now, does he so give huge. credit when he does that? He, what he did was well, so the first one was so early, I didn't even have a blog yet. So, <laughs> oh, so he had nothing to link uh, to. So he had nothing to link to, which uh, I, I wasn't even, that wasn't even, that was like 2006, I think. And so... Uh, in 2008, I believe was the second one. He did link back to me. Yes, he was very, he's very generous cool. and and super responsive for a guy as as big as he is. Very, very responsive as well. Um, but I would say my my biggest, my proudest moment uh, would probably I would say was a couple years ago when we were in the beta testing phase of Epic Frequency, and we had a, a three month sales goal when we first launched. We we did not have music product at the time. We were we launched with historical frequencies like we had Neil Armstrong's One Small Step. Uh, we had FDR, um, you know, Nothing to Fear but Fear Itself. We had JFK. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We had we had historical quotes like that in our prints. And and what what was really interesting was we had a pretty conservative sales goal for that initial launch period, and we quadrupled the sales in that first launch because we 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 didn't know if we were crazy or 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 what we were like well, people actually pay for this will they will they show any interest in it and and they and more than quadrupled in fact we were getting calls from Microsoft about some custom work for them EA Sports contacted us about some stuff with them we had a, a retail chain in Saudi Arabia contacting us I mean it was like we were so unprepared it was awesome uh, that it was we were just it was. It was overwhelming, but really, really exciting as well. And um, we were like, okay, we have something here. Let's, let's, really, let's, let's focus in now. Beta's over. Test is complete. Now let's, now let's focus in and, and figure out what's next. And Fire Nation, what I want you to take away from this is don't be afraid of the niche. In fact, see the power, harness the power of the niche. I mean, people looked at Bill and said, man, that is like, you're just going to have audio waves like on a print or like, like that's pretty darn niche. And Bill's going to be like, yes, it is. And Saudi Arabia, EA Sports, why are they contacting him? Well, because he's not in a competitive market with millions of other people doing basically the same thing, having a price war. It's him Bill Seaver in Epic Frequency producing what they produce, which is unique, which is standalone, and which differentiates him from other offerings in the market. So he is dominating that niche. And don't be afraid, especially when you're starting, to find a niche so small that you can dominate. And as Bill starts to broaden his niche and expand out into other areas and products and services, you can too. And Bill, let's do this. Let's now bring things to present time and talk about you today. What would you say the one thing that has you most fired up is right now? 
You know, with Epic Frequency, we're really excited about the new expansion into music products. So like I said earlier, you know, we're getting into Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. And we've got a whole country line with people like Patsy Cline and Johnny Cash. And the, the possibilities are endless just in music alone. And that's just one of several categories we're already venturing into. And so even we're, this week, we're sending out an email to our subscribers and say, what songs would they want to add to our our lineup of the 20 music prints that we have available today because we know we can go so do so deep we want to talk to our our uh, very customer base and the people who are paying attention to what we're doing and so i'm just really excited about all the possibility of products and we want to be smart about it we want to include our own customer base as we do that and uh, I, again the possibilities are, are huge and endless and uh, it's, it's just really exciting for us and Fire Nation, again, another great takeaway is what Bill is doing is he is engaging consistently and constantly with his current client base, with his avatars, with his perfect purchasers of his product that already want what he has. He is reaching out to them and saying, what is your number one desire? What is the one thing that you're struggling with? What is something that we can do that you will want? How can we create a solution for your need? These are all things, Fire Nation, that you can be asking your current base. You know, whether that be 10 email subscribers, 100 podcast listeners, or someone that tweets you today on Twitter. That is how you engage. And Bill, we're about to enter the lightning rounds, but before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Are you looking to grow your team, maximize your time, and start putting systems in place that will help you run your business most efficiently? I know firsthand that growing a team isn't easy, especially when everyone's seeking out the best candidates. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 50 plus job sites, including Craigslist and social networks like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. With an interface that's easy to use and that tracks all of your job posts and all of your candidates, you'll be growing your team in no time. Plus, it's easy to find your best candidates because ZipRecruiter.com will automatically highlight them for you. Try ZipRecruiter to find out why they've been used by over 200,000 businesses. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Again, try ZipRecruiter for free. You must go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Consumers are more and more likely to be on the move, which means they're using their smartphones and tablets more often to guide important purchasing choices. Searching everything from restaurants and clothing stores to real estate postings and podcast sites like mine. Recent estimates place the number of users accessing the internet primarily from their smartphone or tablet at 70%. As impressive as that sounds, the number is expected to reach 90% by 2016. What I've done to take advantage of this boost in the mobile marketplace is to ensure that my site adapts well to the small screen. Suppose a web page could know what type of device it's being viewed on and intuitively accommodate the particular screen size and the user's font preferences, as well as the image resolution, layout, and formatting. That would be pretty amazing, right? If it's time to update your website, think small, small screen. And my expert friends from 99designs are here to help. See for yourself. It only takes a week to get a great design and you're guaranteed to love it. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free today. Bill, welcome to the lightning rounds where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Absolutely. 
What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I just had to decide to jump. It was a matter of just saying, I am not going to ever have complete certainty, but I know enough to, to, to know that it's time to go. I know enough to be dangerous, and that's all you need, Fire Nation. Yep. What is the best advice you've ever received? Don't be a generalist. Don't be well-rounded, but instead operate from your strengths. And that kind of goes straight into the niche thing. You know, don't worry about just dominating one narrow, narrow, tiny, tiny, itsy, bitsy, teeny, weeny niche. It's okay when you start and then you can grow that raving fan base because nobody else is doing it quite like you. And then you can expand outwards. I've got a phrase I'm beginning to use just in relation to myself. And I've, I've tested this on some friends and it really resonated with them. But I'm trying to so much focus on the things that I know I can do well but still diversify my opportunities. Instead of trying to put all of my eggs in multiple baskets, I'm trying to put all my baskets in one egg. Ooh, kind of explain that. All of your baskets in one egg. What does that mean exactly? Egg diversification is really interesting, but it doesn't mean that you actually are diversifying in all of the right things. So we like putting, you know, knowing that we've got multiple sources of income perhaps. But somebody like you, you're, you're a podcast guy. You've, ex, you've gone deep into podcasting. And so you've got multiple baskets in the one strong podcast egg that you have. So you know your egg. A lot of us, a lot of people don't know their egg. And so I think once you sort of know what your egg is, then you say, what baskets actually now go in my egg? No, I love that. And a phrase that I really focus on is one inch wide and one mile deep. And I can do that now, Bill, because I know what my one inch is, this podcast. And Bill, share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success. You know, I quarantine my iPhone every night. I I make sure it is is untouchable and out of reach. And so I leave my iPhone uh, at some point in the evening. It goes to the kitchen and it stays there till the morning quarantining the iPhone. <laughs> I love it. And Bill, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? Well, I, I have two I was going to suggest. Wonderlist is phenomenal. Yes. I, I, I really like the simplicity of it. And I don't like, I've tried overly complex to-do list management, you know, task listings, and, and Wonderlist has been perfect for me. And I'll tell you one that maybe not, doesn't seem like an internet resource necessarily, but Spotify is where I have tons of playlists for music. And I use that through my workday all the time because my mind can get in a particular zone with a certain kind of music. And I I know how to trigger sort of where I need to go mentally with a kind of music, whether it's jazz or classical or 90s grunge rock or whatever it might be. I So I, I have Spotify going all the time. Have you heard of the resource Focus at Will? I have not, no. Write that down real quick. Check it out. I think you're going to be blown away by the awesomeness of it. It was recently recommended to me a couple months ago. And since then, I've used it, but it's exactly up your alley. It's music that's meant and scientifically proven to help and allow you to focus with just that type of music that you talked about. It's really cool. And Wonderless is something that I love as well. I actually use both of them side by side for a little while, that and Workflowy. I ended up going with Workflowy, but they're very similar Fire Nation and having an actual to-do list like Wonderlist, like Workflowy that can be in the cloud that you can have on an app is critical. And Bill, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? Well, again, Seth Godin, classic Purple Cow is is a one that's that's the best place to start for anyone who's trying to get their mind around how to think about marketing and positioning 
the simple takeaway from that is be remarkable in whatever you do and, and understand how remarkable means a lot more than you may think it does. Purple Cow is the book. And just to kind of continue on this theme, it's much easier to be remarkable, to be truly remarkable if you find that narrow, tiny niche to start and then continue to learn from that and then move outwards. And Fire Nation, I know that you love audio, so if you haven't already, you can find this book or one just like it for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. Bill, this next question's the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Well, I've heard your podcast enough to know I've, I've never had a good answer <laughs> for this question. <laughs> and, and as I really thought about it, I would actually, I would, I would observe for seven days, I would observe the world I'm in because how I, I just started thinking through, I was like, how would I know where to shoot unless I've actually taken the time to figure out where to aim in the first place? Ooh. And so my, my, my initial thought was I'm going to take that first seven days. There's time to meet people. There's time to network. There's time to build a blog or, or, or start a blog or podcast or whatever. But I would actually take the first seven days and observe and say, what? What, where have I just landed? What is the, what's going on here? Who are the players? Who are, who, what's broken? What needs to be fixed? And just take some time to observe before going anywhere else. Love it. Well, Bill, let's end today literally on fire with you sharing one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, then we'll say goodbye. Well, I would just say that within the entrepreneurial experience, uh, the one thing I've found is that it's always different than you think it's going to be. Nothing ever plays out the way that you think it's going to. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. And I think if you're ready for it to be something different, then that's a good way to sort of manage your expectations before you get into anything that you're going to do. Um, but Epic Frequency is, is online, of course, epicfrequency.com. Epic Freak, F-R-E-Q is the Twitter handle. Uh, my Twitter handle is Bill Seaver, at Bill Seaver. And my, my marketing website is microexplosion.com. Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with Bill and myself today, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com, type Bill into the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up. And Bill, thank you for just igniting the airwaves with me today. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much. Hey, hey, Nick Unsworth here, and I'm hosting the Life on Fire virtual summit where your fave entrepreneur, John Lee Dumas, along with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, Adam Braun from Pencils of Promise, Tony Shea from Zappos, and many others will be teaching you how to set your business and life on fire. You don't want to miss this live virtual event. Register right now for free by going to freevirtualsummit.com and prepare to ignite. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 